Hi everyone, today on the show we've got Catherine. Catherine is writing a book about allotments and how allotments change people's lives and how they can impact the community. I am going to be featured in Catherine's book, Allotmenteers, which I'm so excited about and I can't wait until it is published. But if you want to help Catherine, you can pledge and help her get funding to finish the book. So there is information on my instagram and my twitter if you follow me on instagram and twitter and you can help Catherine to get her book published so thank you so much for Catherine um coming on today and i hope you enjoy it hi Catherine, and thanks for coming on tonight would you like to introduce yourself Hi Nikki, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am Catherine Mack and um, well, we, we got to know each other because I'm writing a book called The Allotmenteers, um, which um, basically is 25 portraits of different um, allotmenteers from around the UK. And um, yeah, it's been commissioned and hopefully will be published by, um, well, probably far, quite far into 2022, but uh, we're, on, we're en route yeah it's it's really exciting you know I, I mean allotments are things that I could talk about and even gardening is something that I think I could talk about like just forever really but what made you decide you wanted to write a book about allotments and how it kind of impacts people's lives yeah well quite easy answer to that one actually I don't actually have an allotment um so which at first made me think like I was a bit of an intruder, but now we can come on to that in a little bit. But it's actually made me realise it's quite a good thing that I'm that I'm a newbie to it. But the reason I started writing it, it was that I, during, well, actually in between lockdowns when we were allowed out into the world again, I went to see a friend of mine at his allotment quite a lot. And... Um, we just got chatting. It was his sort of favourite place to hang out in lockdown. So we just got chatting about it. He was telling me different people's stories on the allotment and how he was worried about one person because he hadn't seen them for a while. And then, you know, just telling me everyone's sort of just everyday stories. And I said, you know, it would be, um, it'd be a nice book, wouldn't it, to, to just to just read about why people do this and why they love it and where they've come from. There was also a person, a woman on his allotment who was from, I think, Ghana. Um, and we chatted to her a couple of times and the fact that she grew um, palm trees, her, her allotment of palm trees all around it. Wow. And she grew some vegetables. Yeah, she grew some vegetables that were sort of endemic to her to her country. And... Um, I'm just sort of seeing this diversity of people and yeah so because I, I guess I'm naturally a storyteller um and I write about travel normally but you know I love to write about people's stories and so I came I came home that night and I googled to see if this book exists and it didn't I couldn't believe actually that all the allotment books out there are about growing which of course is really important but nothing about the people behind the growing and their journeys, um, and indeed their growth. <laughs> so, so I just that's how it all began. And um, yeah, a sort of nice part of that story is that he he has actually shared his story for my book because he went through a really difficult time. My friend 
Simon, I can say his name because his name will feature in the book, he lost his partner um, very suddenly within 48 hours, actually, to sepsis. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, about three three years ago. And he has found his allotment totally invaluable, in, you know, during his grieving process. And um, so he very kindly agreed to tell me his story, but also because he wanted to talk about how important his allotment was to him um, for his sort of mental health and recovery, but also um, because he wanted to highlight sepsis and how not a lot of people know about it. And he's now become involved in the sort of, you know, trying to, to make people aware about sepsis. And then the sad, well, even sadder part of that story was that I went back to see if I could interview the lady from Ghana and she had since died. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. And oh, that it turned is sad. Out yeah, it turned out that she was an alcoholic and actually her allotment was really her place where she came to, you know, to be healthy, I think. Because she was certainly, there was, you know, she seemed perfectly sober when I met her and chatted to her. And, but for me, that story, and, you know, God rest her, but for me, that just made it even more important for me to tell these stories because allotments do see people come and go and... I, I just think that's all very interesting. And, and all you lovely allotmenteers, you, you see that. And yet, so many of those stories are sort of, are sort of private and, and and it's delicate as well. But So I didn't want to sort of go in and intrude, you mm-hmm. know, on, on people's private spaces. But, but actually, many people have reached out and wanted to share their stories with me. And, and I really feel honoured and honestly the process of writing about now has just brought me so much joy so I'm also of course a complete allotment um, convert now and and uh, I'll be getting myself on a list very soon so definitely yeah. definitely I mean allotments I think as you were saying you know for me one of the amazing things that I like is the intergenerational sense yeah. of it that I'm, you know, I'm I'm in my 30s and there was, you know, people in their 70s and, you know, then there was like people who were maybe younger than me and then I was teaching the kids in the nursery um, how to grow things and I just thought it was great to see the dynamics of how everybody has got something different to teach, you know, the kids might yeah. teach might teach the adults something you know and then maybe like the older people were teaching me things that I hadn't ever done because I was kind of an allotment newbie so um although I'd grown stuff in my own back garden for me it was like just wee tips and things like that people would give to me and even just like that just going down and talking to people like you say you know I was like you would just start talking to someone and then they would tell your their story of why they'd started gardening and I that's what I was say I was having a conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago and I was talking about how not everybody comes to gardening as they want to be a gardener as a career I find a lot of people now come to gardening as something has happened like a trauma or like it's a way of you know helping their mental health or something you know there's something that's happened in their life that has brought them down that path and the allotment brings them you know kind of peace and gives them new people to talk to and and I think it's like it is like almost a bit like a kind of therapy I think I know it is therapeutic but I also think meeting people and kind of sharing your story of 
why you started to garden and then someone will share their story and I think it really kind of brings us all together and gives us a big sense of community I think and I think sometimes in the modern world I think we've kind of lost it a wee bit like we used to have in our like kind of where we live in our streets used to be more of communities and I think now allotments and kind of community gardens have became the new kind of local community. Absolutely. I spoke to um, uh, one of my lovely um, portraits. I like to call, you know, they're portraits of different people. It's a young guy. Um, well, I say young, but, you know, late 20s. So for me, that's quite young. Um, in Nottingham. And they have these really fascinating, oh, I can't remember the name of the area, but really historic allotments that are sort of um, dotted in between um, a series of streets. Um, and they sort of, I think, I looked at it on. Uh, I had to. I had to interview him remotely during the second lockdown, but I looked at it on Google Maps, and it's sort of like a ladder of streets, and then in between is like you know literally a row of allotments, and they're spread out. An extraordinary history, and he inherited his during the allotment, and he just oh, sorry during the lockdown, and he just got a group of five or six friends to come on and just help him with it, and they've all decided to run it as a little co-op together um and he said that all most of the other members of the allotments are uh, those allotments are older and they're just bowled over that these young men and women are now basically just you know there every day they're running it like their own little mini community they, they don't go to the pub anymore they just come up and bring their beers up there on a friday night and hang out and he said People are, you know, people are just loving it. Plus, they've completely rescued a massive plot that had gone to rack and ruin um, before that in a very, very difficult, I think it's all terraced and full of old stones and, you know, it's been really difficult to, to restore, but they've done it. Um, but, but yeah, just that, and he said that everyone in the local streets have come out, even if they're not on the allotments, they've come out to just give them loads of stuff. He said, oh, we, we've heard you're the young lads that are saving that big plot up at the allotments. Can you take this and take that? Can you use this? Can you use that? And he is equally bowled over by by that sense of community. So, yeah, amazing. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. You know, I think, at, you know, looking at what's happening now in the world with, like, talking about, you know, reusing things and even, like, with the big COP26, which is happening where I live in Glasgow, um. I think we really need we and even me and my husband were talking about it. You know, we we're watching the programs like David Attenborough and Prince William, and we were saying, you know, I think we really need to go back to basics. I think you know when when our grannies and grandpas were like had their their houses and stuff, they would recycle, they would make their own compost, and I know a lot of people do do that, but I think you would reuse things, you would you would mend things, you wouldn't throw things away. I think now. Like we need to really look at how we're kind of using things and teaching, like the younger generation, or even just like being an, a role model about how we need to actually look at how we're living and start using things instead of just one use things. Because when I was young, you know, if something broke, you know, you you wouldn't, you wouldn't replace it. You'd try and get it fixed. Whereas now, I think there's a kind of everybody kind of thinks well, it's broken, I'll just get a new one, and they just put it in the bin. But I think when you actually look at where things are going and what damage you're doing to the, you know, 
the world really by you just throwing it away and thinking I'm just putting it in the bin that's not going to do anything but you're actually impacting you know and the, I think one of the most shocking things that I found and I, I have told other people about this when I was watching one of David Attenborough's programs was that he was talking about plastic and how fish are eating plastic and then we're if you eat fish you could actually be eating the plastic that you've thrown away that's right, yeah. And I'm just like, wow, that, you know, what is... Yeah. I think, really, we do need to start looking at, you know, just reusing things and just being eco. I mean, I like I like being eco-friendly and stuff, and I do do it in the, with the kids and, and work. You know, I'll make, like, rain catchers, plant pots, you know, reuse toilet tubes to, like, make, like, biodegradable um plant pots that you can put in the ground and stuff so I think that allotments are just a way that maybe people need to look at like maybe even in your yeah. own garden you could have like a wee kind of mini a mini growing space where you, you reuse yeah. everything and you reuse like even sinks like I know that um Neil's papa he had like he had toilets old toilets that someone was throwing out yeah. and he had it planted up it had an yeah, old bath planters, yeah, um, planted yeah. up and you know I think maybe that's kind of thinking about how well how can you use that how can you how can you reuse it even you could you could make it yeah. into something new you could make it a plant or there's so many different things you can do um and I think it's just a big thing for us to maybe yeah. all start trying to do a wee bit in our own garden or own Absolutely. allotment and I think I think you could do with having all those cop leaders cop 26 leaders down to your allotments and show them a nice microcosm of how it all should work yeah definitely I mean it's a bit it's a it's definitely a big a big thing and I think that um you know it's just such a scary thing I think I'm watching it and thinking wow you know it's always climate change has always been a thing like since I've been wee but you never really thought about it but now it seems to just be in your face that you know we really need to do to do something about it um, Absolutely, and, and actually, growers, growers really see that, especially growers who have been doing it for years. You know, who who see well, actually, these never used to come out, come you know, come to to bloom or to bloom. You know, oh, I can't think of the word. They wouldn't come out of the soil until maybe June, and now they're coming out and bleed in March. You know, so they're they're seeing that climate is changing. Certainly, farmers are seeing it all over. Oh, definitely. I mean, even this year, like. Um, We've had such a mild winter. I mean, in Scotland by now, um, our plants took longer to come. They did longer to come on, so the flowers didn't. They were later this year, and then the fruits and veg were later coming on, and then you know we're now getting to the winter. So some of some of my plants sadly had to get taken out because now it's too cold. But they haven't blo- They haven't flowered yet. Um, that's, that's sad and they may not flower now because then the temperatures might dip. Yeah, cause, so which is like yeah. then you look at what's happening with the what's happening with the weather and the climate that the weather yeah. is actually now it's milder than it should be for the time. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm complaining because it is Absolutely. a bit cold up in Scotland, but um, but definitely. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, so you. So what? One other thing I wanted to say about the book was that I think. Um, what I set out also to do, I, I sort of put out requests uh, on Facebook groups, growers groups, allotment groups, um, Instagram. I think you and I met through, oh, no, I think we met through, through another podcast that I was doing, actually. 
but um and because my mission has been to try and get a real diversity of people to interview for the book so mm-hmm. obviously a good geographical um mix um so i've got someone right down in um the southwest corner of cornwall and then i've got you on glasgow it looks like i might have somebody in east lothian as well soon to interview because i've still got a few more interviews to to complete um someone on the isle of wight who actually like you runs um allotment gets gets kids involved very much in their allotments completely child run actually which is fantastic um and then also a real mixture of ages and um and gender and I'm hoping also to try and get some people with different mobility issues and um, even cognitive issues into, you know, try and interview some people there. I, I am, Actually, I have to talk about the extraordinary um, allotments at uh, Wellersbourne, Wellersbourne allotments. They're also, one, I think, one of the oldest in the country. And I interviewed a woman who runs the allotment for dementia, for people living with dementia. Wow. And she, she's got her own allotment on the site, but her husband sadly, and she, he, she's only, oh no, I can't remember. I think she might be in her fifties, maybe early sixties. And her husband, not long ago, died, um, having lived with dementia for quite a few years, had really early onset, and um, she, while he was sort of, you know, going downhill, she, she asked the, um, the authority if she could have a plot that was going and set it up for people living with dementia which is what she now does and so she gets people who have dementia but also their carers who come along and they both benefit in very different ways obviously from this plot and just an amazing woman great lovely turnaround to that story is that three four years down the road she's actually about to get married again so i get to hear the sad bits and the happy bits mm-hmm. but the other sad bit about that story is that their allotments are under huge threat oh no under, i oh yeah, i hate to hear I that really, yeah it's devastating i um I, I really recommend that your um, listeners go on and check it out. Wellesbourne, it's W-E-L-L-E-S-B-O-U-R-N-E allotments. And they're owned by the by the local parish. And the local parish want to sell the land for, of course, property development. <sighs> and they're fighting it. And, you know, these guys have featured on... Um, gardener's world they've featured on all sorts of things um you know they're really celebrated because i think they are the oldest in the country um and uh yeah so they're under massive threat um so go on and support they've got a campaign going that everyone can go and support and and also particularly knowing that they have this extraordinary garden for people living with dementia and this that this incredible woman heather is is supporting that you know i don't know It, it does you know, I, met, I know I made the funny comment about cop leaders coming to see your allotment, but it's no joke. Like we, we are going to really need these green spaces in cities more and more. And, you know, we've got to find ways to protect them and also lobby to, to, to get more of them, I think. And certainly when this book is done, um, I'm going to try and get involved in that uh, on a deeper level because... I know, first of all, how much they mean to people, but I also know what they mean to the planet. And we, we cannot let we cannot let the developers bulldo- bulldoze their way through everything. Those, those days are over, you know? 
uh, yeah, I, I'm I, I, I'm really sad to hear that um yeah. that this is happening. And you know, it's not the first story that I've seen on you know on Instagram or maybe on Twitter and stuff like that. There's a there are a few allotments that I've heard are getting taken over, like you say, to make houses. And you know, I did have me and my husband were talking about houses and how you know we are taking you know animals. We're taking an animals kind of environment away for our houses but do we really need the houses do you really need to you know if that that's a little community that is helping people that's growing food you know that could they could grow food for the local community to give to food banks to you know they they help each other you know if someone's maybe oh you take that home you take that plant home you know sell plants like bring stuff into the the community by bringing people into the community and stuff and i just think that People, yeah, people don't understand. I think they see an allotment and just think, oh, just get rid of that. But they don't actually see what actually an allotment does for people. They think that yeah. it's just, get rid of it. It's just it's just people growing food. They can just grow it. Yeah. And, and even, like... And also, I think a lot of people just think it's... And that was another reason why I wanted to write the book, was that I think a lot of people think that, oh, it's just a load of old men, which is so not true. I mean, look at you and look at, look at everyone. I mean, even, just even one glimpse at Instagram, you know, um, allotments of Instagram. It's just, it's just a sort of bundle of youthful joy. <laughs> and I, you know, I say youthful, I'm in my fifties. So anyone under that counts as youthful for me, but it's just, and but even I'm pretty youthful in my fifties. You know, it's just this energy and joy and so far from a world of sort of, you know, completely makey uppy old age pensioner men in their sheds. You know, we've moved way beyond that, and and there are plenty of I've met old age pension, uh, you know, men in their sheds on allotments. But you know, they don't fit. They don't fit those cliches either. They're they're lively. They're committed to grow up making their land work, and they're totally involved in their community. So. I just I don't like those cliches that people have about it, and I, and I'm so glad that I have an opportunity to maybe change the narrative around that. Definitely, definitely, I'm glad that you know. I think similar to you, the reason that you know I I started this podcast that um was because I wanted to talk to people about their journey and how they started gardening and you know what even like allotments gardens you know a balcony garden at one of my a lot yeah. uh, one of my podcasts is about as well and I just thought you know it's amazing just to say that you can really grow in any space and I think people who maybe don't even have a balcony I think allotments are just great in community gardens for people need out outdoor space you know it's great to say oh there's there's big fancy houses and big flats but you know where is the green space where is the you know it's just amazing like even in our back garden you know we have put stuff in this year and we've got like we've got squirrels in the back garden now we've got birds we've got bees we've got butterflies we've had beetles that i've never seen before you know and dragonflies you know so look at all that wildlife that just one garden has has got and think how if we all did that and we kept these green spaces it would be great not just for us for like biodiversity uh, and I, I mean bees are one thing that I'm really passionate about is the bees because you know bees do so much and even wasps I was you know I found out this year um that wasps are actually really good pollinators I used to always think what do really? wasps yeah 
I didn't know that, but Wuss are really good pollinators and they pollinate a lot of our food. And I used to always think, you know, and I think that's maybe just the wrong kind of message put out from media is that it's bumblebees and it's bees that do all the pollinating, whereas wasps are really good pollinators and they pollinate a lot of our stuff. So you wouldn't even know, you know, people just think wasps are... Oh, wasps are bad. Wasps are just, they're just here to just sting you, but they're actually not. They're like doing quite a good thing for biodiversity. And I think that I'm trying to tell people now, like when they say, oh, wasps, and I I, I was something used to think, well, what do wasps do? But I think when you actually start to research and have your own garden, like, and look into like books and things, you actually realise what animals do and, and how they help us in the food chain, you know. So, we have to help them all because if we don't help them, then we're going to lose food that we because they're not going to be there to pollinate it, and then you know, it's just it's a big circle of life. But um, definitely it's wow. But I will I'll I'll definitely um go on and sign for that um allotment cause because yeah, that really thanks. is upset yeah. to think that that yeah, and check out i'm pretty sure they're also on instagram actually so um yeah it would be good to maybe tag them in and and yeah show them that show them we're giving support um can i just rather selfishly talk about my own need for support of course you can. Um, because this because the book the allotment here is so it's um yeah, it's published by a company called unbound it was going to be published by unbound and they're actually they're a fantastic organization they they crowdfund all their books mm-hmm. so um because the publishing world i don't know if you're familiar with it it's quite it's been traditionally quite a closed world and i approached probably 10 publishers to do this book and um usually got the response that oh it's a bit niche you know we don't think it really sort of talks to a big market and actually i know how many growers are out there and i know people not you know not even allotment here's but i know there's so many people who love their gardens and also people who just like other people's stories um and nature and all sorts so it was very hard to break into to the publishing world to get this published and then unbound just leapt on it and said we love it and that's exactly what they're trying to do with their crowdfunding is to sort of disrupt the publishing industry really and go actually we love this we don't think it's niche at all we're going to publish it but we're going to crowdfund it so basically um i'm yeah i'm still in a crowdfunding campaign to get it published and if anyone would like to go on and just pledge and of course you pledge to buy the book, so when it's published, you get the book. Um, there are other things that you can pledge for at different levels, depending on how much money you'd like to hand over. But um, so, you know, for example, we've got aprons with um, a lovely design on it that's related to gardening, or we've got mugs, enamel mugs that you can take to your shed and all sorts. But mainly, basically, if anyone would like to pledge on the book, I'd love that. All pledges start at £10, and if you just go... Maybe we could share the share the link on your on your um, on your Instagram, Instagram page. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I will. Page. Sorry, end of a long work day for me. Um, on your Instagram page, or they can just go on to Unbound and look up the allotment here, and they'll find it. And so, yeah, please pledge because I really want to get it published. Definitely, we. I will. Yeah. I'll be telling everybody. I will share it on all the platforms and make sure that hopefully some. Um, you'll get some pledges um, for yeah, it. Yeah, thanks a million. Yeah, we're heading towards twenty percent of pledges now, and um, they, usually, they we've got another um, about 
four four months to go. So, um, you know, the, the publishers are very. Actually, I have to say they've been incredibly supportive. They're they're really behind the idea, and and uh, certainly anyone I've spoken to, like yourself, any of the interviews, they're all very excited about it. So yeah, fingers crossed, we can make it work. I have to say it's been a complete joy for me to talk to people and I have a sort of well you and I chatted didn't we and you know I have a set quite set amount of questions that I usually ask people about you know what time of day is their favorite time to be there and what what noises do they hear what smells do they smell what also of course what they grow and um but just sort of I try to tap into that that emotional connection with the land and, and what it gives them. Yeah, definitely. I'm really excited actually to even just hearing a couple of your stories of people who you're you've spoke to. It just sounds really interesting to just hear it. And you know, for I I totally agree with you. I I wouldn't say it was niche. I would, I think it's a lot of people would love to hear people's stories. Mm. And I think a lot of people, even you know, through the lockdown and like Gardeners World, like and even the Beech Grove um, gardens on TV, like a lot of people have been started to share their stories. So I think yeah. now it's a, allotments and gardens that's such a big thing that I think that your book would have been a great thing for that a lot of publishers have kind of missed out mm. on because... Yeah. And I always, <laughs> I always like to like... Even even if it's not about gardening, I, I like to hear people's stories. I like to read books about people's stories, about how they've accomplished yeah. something, you know, and maybe, like, how how it started and then how, what they've accomplished. And even, like, for yeah. me, like, taking on an allotment with the, like, the nursery has actually changed a lot of my life because it really just started with me wanting to teach the kids in the community and give back and then all of a sudden oh you know I've got a lot of stuff that's came from it and I've learned more about gardening so you sometimes you just don't know when you take um something on where it's going to lead but I'm really yeah I like that actually and that's to be honest that's exactly what I feel about the book you know it's been because I have a full-time job as well and Mm. um I'm a single mom, and so I sometimes you just think, "Oh my goodness, this is just too much." But actually, fundamentally, every time I speak to someone about it, I just love it, and I really feel like, "No, I'm on this journey for some reason that I don't know what that is yet." Even if it's just that I end up getting my own allotment, you know, there's some reason why I'm on that journey, and and I'm definitely growing, growing through it. Actually, I must just—I uh, was just looking up while we were chatting a quote. I got this was actually from the guy in Nottingham at the lovely urban allotment I was describing. He gave a lovely line, just said, an allotment isn't just a place for plants to grow, it's a place for people to grow as well. Wow. I, that, I just love that. It, 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 um, yeah, it's amazing. I love that quote. Yeah. And that's just, you know, that's just, um, that's just one of many, many quotes. I Oh, actually, I had the best treat. I, t- I treated myself to a break and went down to because a lot of people I've interviewed on zoom because of lockdown mm-hmm. but now I'm getting out to meet them in people in person and I hope I'm going to come up and see you in person as well Nikki obviously oh, I would love to do that it'd be great to meet but, you yeah thanks but I have just been down to Cornwall to meet this incredible couple um who have an allotment right on the cliff edge I'm not oh, joking wow. it's on the cliff edge and um the Jane and um, oh my goodness, what was his name? Abdul, I think. 
um, and he he's their husband and wife, and he, she's English from Cornwall, and he's Moroccan, and they sort of spend half a year in Morocco normally, <coughs> and half the year here, bless mm-hmm. you, and um, <laughs> he, he, they got an allotment during lockdown, or this allotment on the cliff, because it was literally, no one had used it for years, and they were begging somebody to take it over, and he has never grown anything outside the sort of, you know, hot atlas mountains almost saharan climate of morocco and here he is taking on this cliff top allotment in cornwall and just talking about you know how incredible that's been for them and um yeah and anyway she, jane completely said it just completely saved her life during during lockdown and her mental health she said she, there's no way she would have been able to cope um and anyway, I just had the most delightful interview with them, and they'll be featuring in the book. Um, so treat yourself to a trip to Cornwall and get down and see that one, because I'll tell you, you'll be bowled away. I know it would it would be great to like um I would love it I would love to go and meet like you know um mm. other allotment tiers and like different mm. um places and just see their um allotments because I think sometimes you always kind of learn things from different people or you know people give Definitely. you plants or you'll be they'll Definitely. be like oh I did that you know sometimes people will say how did you grow that and I'll be like oh and, that, and so I tell them how I grow it because sometimes I think you know you can do it like textbook and do it by the book but sometimes things grow you know I always think things grow their own way you know like weeds I mean weeds are like the most amazing thing because weeds will grow there's some weeds that will grow through concrete and you think concrete is not even there's not even any soil but that's the strive for that weed to live that it's actually growing through its conditions so which is it's quite but um, I had a, a good quote that someone told me about weeds was, and it kind of changed my way I was thinking about weeds was, because I always thought, again, you know, you, weed, you're told that weeds are bad and, you know, oh, get rid of the weeds and the weeds will take over. But someone said to me, you know, weeds aren't, weeds aren't bad. Weeds are just flowers you don't want in your garden. And I kind of, that's, that has like changed my perspective of thinking on things, you know, and I thought, and then now there's the everyone's got wildflowers, which is weeds in the garden. Yeah, so, and dandy and dandelions are one of the like the best um flowers to have for bees. Yeah. But yet we all used to take them out because everybody would say get rid of them. So it's like yeah. there's a different kind of change in attitudes as we kind of grow. And, and I've been also chatting quite a few of the allotment here's you know work with the um no dig ethos so i've been Mm -hmm. learning a lot about that as well about just that sort of much more organic and just not (laughs) less work i think quite a lot of them have been attracted to it but it was just less work but also now i've found that it's it's really working for them yeah and I think yeah I think it's good as well because it doesn't really disturb the soil and um and like that you can just like I I think gardening is becoming more kind of friendly and I think you know there used to be a lot of pesticides used in um like gardening even like in your own food like you get from like in the supermarkets people would say you know oh they spray pesticides on it because they don't want the animals to eat it like in the the farms you know I think they've they've stopped doing that now but before they did used to you know and you you think wow I used to eat like stuff that 
you would wash it obviously when you got it but you still think of the things that you put on and you just didn't think about it you would just spray things and just think I just want the I just want the plant to live so but then that means that you're killing an like a, a an insect really whereas this year um I've kind of embraced the whole organic thing um and just went with letting the sl- letting the slugs and stuff eat things and letting um the cabbage white uh, butterfly like eat my my broccoli and stuff because really it's like it's we all need each other so as long as the plant isn't dying and they're they're eating and they're reproducing so you're actually helping them as you know keep going because if we keep doing really if people keep spraying things and killing slugs and killing um at like things like that in the garden there won't be any left and then you think like they do a job you know everything does a yeah, job that's very interesting quite like the idea of just growing cabbages for the yeah and and yeah definitely because someone in my someone on my twitter feed um i put on like a video of the the white um butter cabbage butterfly and i was excited because it had came and laid eggs on the the broccoli i've got and they said oh get rid of it get rid of it because it's eaten and it's laying eggs and i was like no that's what i want it to do i want it to come to the garden and they're like oh but it's going to damage your plant it's not damaging my plant i could show you my broccoli now which is still growing great and the butterfly has laid its eggs and the eggs you know have went and the the plant is still fine yes some of the leaves got eaten but they grew back so it's not like you know i think sometimes people think too much about they want to see the product and not really think about like what is actually happening in the garden and watching the wildlife that's wonderful i quite like that whole the writer in me likes that analogy as well you know that sometimes we have to let a few of the outside leaves be sacrificed but you know that the rest, the core keeps going. Yeah, you know? exactly. That, that happens to us all in life, doesn't it? As well, in some ways, we get we get scratches and bumps, and you have to shed skin sometime. And but the core keeps going, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. I, I've changed my views on things, with, and and probably I was like the that person who's commented, you know, many years ago when I first started gardening. You know, was like that person of get rid of it because you know you're like, oh, that will damage the plant because you don't think about the other thing. But whereas now, I think more people are starting to think about. No, wait a minute here, the insect, you know, has a life. Which then, like, they reproduce, and I just love butterflies. I think butterflies are great. Um, yeah. butterflies, bees, you know, I just love. And I love to have animals in the garden. You know, our, we've got a bungalow, so our garden is like, we look at, when you're in the kitchen, you look out to our garden where it's got like, you know, all the, the bumblebees, the, the birds, um, the squirrels. And, you know, I get so excited, you know, I'll shout at my husband and be like, look, there, there, there's a squirrel in the garden. We'll get a squirrel now, you know. And um, it's just, I think you need to appreciate sometimes that, you know, the garden isn't always for just for you, you know, yeah, you can do it for you to look in and and sit in and think this is nice and it's my kind of oasis as such, but it's also for, like, the outside world as well, you're creating a kind of little kind of biodiversity garden for nature as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Have you ever, do you think you'll ever get a beehive? Do you think you'll ever do that? I would love one. I don't. I don't think. 
I, I, I think you have to get proper um, like training and stuff, but I've actually got a lady who's coming on who has beehives, and um, so I've asked her for... I'd like a, like a solitary bee um, house, which I think I'm going to add next year. Um, yeah, nice. But I'm, I'm maybe going to go and visit her um, and see her beehive, so she's going to give me some some pointers about like attracting bees into your garden so I'm looking forward to that and then I can kind of spread the pointers with um on online and stuff on Instagram and that and show what I learn as well and like kind of I'll share my journey of my my bee house being added to the the garden and Mm. hopefully we'll get some bees living in it oh yeah I'm sure you will I'm sure you will they do bring joy to the garden don't they oh they definitely do and so are you are you less busy now are you are you slowing down with your allotment visits yeah um i'm kind of like because the allotment is out the one like for the nursery out is outside so we really we've yeah. had to kind of start we're going to start clearing it because the stuff has all kind of grown over and it's going to get a bit colder um so we can't really we don't have any kind of we don't have anything to kind of grow during the winter at the allotment yeah. where the kids have. So that's gonna that is slowing down. But um, in my garden, um, we're kind of slowly taking parts of that away. Um, that I've kind of went to seed and it was kind of finished um growing and stuff. But my indoor plot that I've got, in up in my allotment, the new one, the polytunnel one, um, I'm kind of revamping that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and grow some winter veg and some onions and right. garlic, that I have, I, I've never grew before, and I want to add a pond, um, a small pond into my allotment, um, with different so kind of layers. Yes, yeah, okay. so I still, I'm still going to be busy-ish, but not as busy. I'm just going to have my own kind of indoor um spot to do. But yeah, this time of year kind of, it's kind of sad in a way, but because you kind of, you always know it's coming to an end, the kind of season, because it starts to get frosty. But it's still nice in the garden. I still like to see the frost and like I take pictures. I like to take pictures of the garden, you know, and the frost and the snow. and nice. um. But yeah, it's starting to kind of come to a kind of slower end the garden quite a lot of people that quite a lot of people that i've interviewed for the book talk about that that sort of seasonal change and how they find it quite tough you know because they so love going to their allotment it is just their haven of peace and um that when that comes to a close and the day shortened they they struggle and they have to sort of find something else to do to keep themselves busy so yeah i know i know that that is quite tough for some people, and I can I can understand that. Definitely, um, my husband he it just like Monty Don says it like on Gardeners World. He's one of my favorite gardeners, so I do refer to him quite a lot. Um, he talks about like the kind of winter blues, and my husband says the same. He says my husband likes doing DIY, so like at this time of year he'll move inside and do like things that need done in the house to keep him busy because he yeah. likes to be busy and doing things and he's quite a hands-on person and he said he can feel like when the dark n- nights and stuff when he can't get out in the garden it starts to kind of affect his mood a bit and that's the same as Monty, Monty Don spoke on TV about how he feels like when the winter comes in he gets like sad um like yeah. the sad syndrome so he's we've got like um one of the special lights you know you can get that wakes you up um 
so that it's not dark when so it kind of gradually wakes you up in the winter and it does make a difference i have to admit it definitely does see when you wake up you're not as you don't feel as bad you know when it's really dark it's hard to get up and i think it kind of helps you a wee bit because although it's not natural sunlight it kind of it it helps you to boost to get up easier in the morning but yeah definitely i i mean i i'm okay like i know i'll say i'm kind of sad about it, the season coming to an end but i'm okay like i'm like you say I'll, I'll keep myself busy i've got like i'm still doing a course um for like gardening and stuff and i've still got the podcast and stuff so i will be busy um yeah. But yeah, a lot of a lot of gardeners do find that they now yeah. because they've not got that space anymore and it is outdoors that it's hard yeah. that you're kinda cut off from it until kinda February time I would say I'd go back to outdoors and start doing stuff again. But you can always plan. I like to I like to, I like to, to do a plan for next year and kind of think about yeah. what am I going to grow next year because I always like to kind of challenge myself and do something different. So I might say like this year, like this year, I'm doing garlic and onions, which I've never done before. So I'm like, that's my challenge. Like, so I'll learn that over the winter. So there's always kind of wee things you can try and do. Absolutely. Can I actually? I just wanted to also mention that I've still got space for two or three stories of people in the book. Uh huh. Um, and so if anybody listening to this thinks, oh, I'd love to share my story, and I've got, and also. The other thing, and that's quite a struggle, is that I'm trying to get a good racial, a strong, you know, diverse and racial mix of people to interview. Um, and particularly would love to speak to somebody in the sort of British Asian community. Um, I nearly, I nearly got to interview an amazing Vietnamese woman who didn't, who didn't speak English, but her daughter was going to translate for me. Um, but unfortunately, she got a bit poorly and, and pulled out. I think she lost her confidence about it. And, but I'm still, I'd really like to meet some more people with from from a sort of ethically diverse backgrounds who've got interesting stories to talk about about their allotments and their sort of cultural heritage and their route and how, how that sort of combines with having an allotment. So, so yeah, if any of your listeners have anything, have a story like that to tell me, then then please do get in touch. Again, they can reach out through through my Instagram. Definitely. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna end the chat and thank you for coming on and 